Welcome back to Talk With Us. We're back in conversation with Elisa Lillicrap, an entrepreneur, fourth-year uni student and Holt Prize global finalist. In part one of this episode, we began looking at Elisa's startup journey and spoke to her about how interdisciplinary tech can be and making the most of opportunities. On this part of the episode, we're speaking about the challenges she's faced and how she's overcome them, as well as a lot of advice on making the most of uni life. So like you told us last episode, just taking the opportunity and pushing yourself, having that as a value to achieve success and having your own measure of success is important. But with this, have you also had self-doubt or doubt from others surrounding your ambitious goals? Yeah, like I think uh, you definitely come across doubt um, around yourself, but, but I've been very fortunate where I think I've been very intentional about the environment that I place myself in where it is quite a close support network. And I think that's really important. And sometimes, look, you can't avoid um, the doubt creeping in um, from other people and uh, commentary here and there. And at the end of the day, you've just got to know what, what your you're trying to achieve and um, what goals you're trying to pursue. And at the end of the day, it's that self-assurance and just being able to go to the people that are your support network. However, at the same time, I think it's it's not so much about completely ignoring um, everyone who has, I guess, critical feedback, right? I actually think that's really important to still listen to those people. And at the end of the day, one of the biggest learnings, and I'll connect this back to your earlier question, Georgie, where that I realized is how to distill between information and actually action on it. Um, And what I mean by that is no matter what you do, right, whether it's startup worlds or tech worlds or um, whatever career you pursue, um, you will always face commentary and feedback from all kinds of individuals, from your, your colleagues, from your friends, from your family members. And it's not like you can just put a box up and say, see you later to your mum and dad or sister and brother. <laughs> so the, the way to deal with it is to really go, you know what, I totally hear you. Thank you for sharing your feedback. Um, but at the end of the day, you've got to understand it's you that has to suffer the consequences of your actions. So whether or not you listen to them, whether or not you take on certain bits of their advice um, into consideration and then you you try and act on something that um, you've thought of as the solution for it, at the end of the day, I think it's just being able to go, you know what, I'm the one that's making the decision here, what's best for me, um, and being able to take in all of that information, great, but really distill between where's the quality piece of advice, um, how reliable is that, you know, have you have you gone down this pathway? If it's about um, startup-related advice, I know during the whole Prize Accelerator, um, every single week, um, or every single day, uh, all the teams had to meet different mentors, different industry professionals, and every single day, at least four to five times, we would get commentary and feedback. And the problem is they'd be conflicting. And don't get me wrong, all of the mentors were amazing, right? But some some of them had their own opinions um, and, and beliefs as to what was the best approach. And at the end of the day, you've got to understand that everyone's beliefs is is shaped by their own personal experiences. So I think it's an assessment as well as to the credibility and the reliability of that individual's experience specifically related to what you're seeking advice from or what they're commenting on. Um, so yeah, like I think, I think at the end of the day, you've just got to be um, 
pretty certain um, as to what your as to you know what what your approach or what your goals that you want to achieve and speak to the people that have been there done that I think those two things are, are quite important um, and making sure that you're seeking advice um, and and support from people that actually know what you kind of gone down that pathway um, so you can learn from them I think those are the best people that you can speak to there yeah definitely Especially like you mentioned, knowing that everyone's experiences and everyone's advice is shaped on their personal experience. And similarly for us, the way we understand things and the way that we can apply things is based on our personal experience. So continuing on, in business, especially a startup, no one sets you a deadline. There isn't any final destination as such. How do you stay motivated and know what smaller goals to set yourself along the way? Yeah, so I think it's one, uh, goes back to a bit of that support network, right? Um, I'm really fortunate where in the startup um, at Logic, I have my awesome teammate and co-founder, Brad, and it, it really helps um, during periods and troughs of, um, you know, not having much motivation because it does happen to everyone. Um, and so I think it's really just being able to accept, like, yes, everyone goes through these um, down periods, but it's also reminding yourself why you were doing it. And I think um, at the end of the day, you've just got to, one, um, talk to your support network, talk to the people that that were there kind of from the from the start of the journey. Um, but two, also just reflect on, you know, why why did you begin with um, to, you know, why did, why did you start this whole thing? What got you into it? Um, and I think when it comes to setting those small goals, like I know, personally as well like we're holding a part-time job and full-time uni as well as the startup um, on top of everything else it, it does get really tricky because um, you can't dedicate your 100% energy to absolutely everything at every point in time um, and so I guess having those smaller goals and setting the right goals is a really important part of that if you're constantly setting very ambitious uh, unrealistic um, outcomes then when you're not going to achieve it because you won't, because you've got so many other things going on, um, you're going to be even more demotivated because you barely, you barely got there, you barely reached that milestone. And so I think it's one again being very realistic um, and honest with yourself about what can be achieved within what time period. But then also going, okay, if if it's consistently, um, you know, not meeting those those um, outcomes and goals, maybe we need to readjust certain. Um, things on on the personal side on the commitment side um with with other things that are going on and I guess that goes back to also what you were talking about Georgie with um managing all these different opportunities and extracurriculars um so yeah like I think at the end of the day um it, it really goes back to just reminding yourself why um and if you're looking at other opportunities as well because I think this is quite common at the university level where you know being students we always are looking at these um, other opportunities that are out there and I think it's almost like the cost of doing one thing is not so much um, a direct cost of that action it's actually the opportunity cost of not taking up another opportunity right and so we're kind of in this psychological battle where we're going oh you know we we don't seem to be achieving much in the startup here so so maybe it's just best that I jump ship and and pursue this other um opportunity and I think uh you've really got to just 
settle down, take a pause and, and go back to uh, why, why am I doing this? What are my personal values as well? And what do I want to achieve long-term? What do I want to reflect on when I'm, you know, 20, 30, <laughs> 40 and say, you know what, I was able to learn a lot. And it goes back to what are your values? So obviously for me, it's just being able to learn and grow. And so if I can say, you know what, these going through these down periods will make me a much better person because I'm able to persevere. And even if I can't achieve the the bigger goals that I set, at least I can do something, right? It's all about momentum. And I think to sustain motivation, it's just about creating little small goals and milestones that that build that positive um, affirmation and, and momentum that, hey, like I'm, I'm at least doing something. Even if it's small, I'm doing something, which is better than nothing. And I think that's what can get you through the, through, <laughs> through the tough periods, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. And like you said, uh, it's about taking the success you get in the small goals, staying grounded in those and using them to achieve the bigger goals. And even if you don't get there, learning along the way and making the most of what you can learn in everything you possibly can. Continuing with potential challenges, what challenges have you faced as a female in tech and how have you overcome them? Yeah, so I've been, uh, again, really fortunate um, where the despite the tech world um and the startup world to a certain extent being quite male dominant uh there has definitely been um really great opportunities to engage with other young female founders and entrepreneurs which has you know it's kind of this empowering circle of women coming together and uh boosting each other up but i think in terms of challenges um one you definitely come across um i mean it varies person to person but uh, times where, you know, you're in a room and, uh, you see, uh, certain, uh, you know, males, um, engaging with other males in a a much more interactive and immersive way. I'll put it like that. And, uh, and so it's, it's, I think, I think it's interesting, right? Because I've, I've had this conversation in the past with a few people where I've asked even my male founder friends and said, you know, why, why are you very warm with, uh, your male, uh, employees over your female employees? And it's actually quite interesting because the responses that I've gotten is more so out of a fear that it comes across the wrong way. And so, cause to me, I always saw, you know, why, why is it that my male friends and colleagues and, uh, you know, they're getting a few more opportunities, um, especially in a networking context as well, you notice it um, <laughs> over the females. And so, um, but yeah, it's interesting to see, I guess, where our current culture is at. And I think um, in the tech world and startup world, we are a lot more progressive compared to other industries. And I think that's absolutely a really positive outcome. Um, and there's plenty of room to go. I mean, the, earlier this year, there was a big conversation about, um, you know, putting in quotas um, uh, across certain boards and, and so forth, even in the VC funds also. And I think we are making a really positive start. We're seeing um, amazing stuff from from funds like Blackbird um, and even Startmate where they've got, you know, a really good gender equality divide. And I think that's the start of something great. And generally people are quite open. Um, but yeah, like I think the, the personal experience that I have with it is more so 
yeah, in a networking, at a networking event, there has been various situations where, um, you know, it's taken the wrong way where you being a female and being friendly and trying to engage and network um, can come across like, oh, you're, you're trying to pursue that person. And I think um, that's, that's, going to you know that 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 needs a lot of improvement because that still happens um and I was listening to a podcast recently that talked about um a uh Y Combinator startup um that was a a dating startup and uh the team are all female members and you know they spoke about some of their challenges where they went out to seek investment um from different VCs and unfortunately they did come across situations where it was taken the wrong way and um, you know they thought that they were building a relationship because they were trying to get investment for their startup but um, on the other side um, for for that male it was about you know trying to pursue them in another lens and so I think yeah like there's there's definitely that that you come across um, but not not as frequent um, as uh, as it used to be and I think there's definitely improvements that have already been um, been in the making as we go on. Yeah, for sure. It's great to see that kind of improvement and even just the knowledge that other people go through that kind of thing when trying to take on networking opportunities or even starting a tech startup. So continuing on your journey and the uni part of your journey, what drove you to major in information systems? Yeah, so uh, I actually, interestingly enough, when I was contemplating what degree to pursue, um, my second choice would have been computer science. Um, But I think at heart, I'm someone that really loves the worlds of business. I love engaging people and I don't think I have the patience um, to (laughs) the computer coding all day, unfortunately. I wish I did. Um, But yeah, so I ended up pursuing um, uh, a Bachelor of uh, Commerce and then I thought, what was the next closest thing? to um, uh, bridging that gap in the skill set with tech. And I saw information systems as a really good major because it gives you that overview of um, that high-level understanding of all the different technologies that are out there. But what it does really well is it applies that within a specific context. And that context is within the business context. So rather than learning technology about tech and and how to build it and how to code in isolation, you're actually learning at a high level of all the different things that are out there. And I think at a basic level, if you're coming from a non-tech background, even a technical background, right? It's such a good way and segue into just knowing what's out there and knowing the different use cases that um, it can be applied to. And it goes back to that whole conversation about the different disciplines. So if you're studying a, a science degree, um, being able to have kind of that that high level understanding really helps because then it opens your eyes to go, ah, okay, like I can use this um, um, for this specific purpose in my degree. Um, and so, yeah, like that's why I pursued it. And I, I've been studying it now for the last two years and I've really enjoyed it. I think it's probably one of the best majors um, that you can do. And I, I it is not intimidating whatsoever because there is no coding. So for people that are worried, uh, <laughs> but that isn't there, that isn't there. But um, yeah, like I think that's really important just to stay on top of what are the different tech trends that are happening? What are the upcoming things um, that are occurring in our day and age? And it, it does get you to think a lot more critically. And it means that in the future, when you go about solving problems, you're now a lot more well-versed in being able to, you know, go, oh, okay, like I see this use case for this particular technology um, being used. So, 
So with that combination of business and tech that information systems is, and as you mentioned, being able to progress with a degree while also working on logic, what advantages has progressing with information systems as a degree had on logic? Yeah, I've had um, really great opportunities, actually, to engage with my professors and lecturers because, um, weirdly enough, there there are some really fascinating individuals in the department, at least at um, my university. And uh, and so I've actually been able to, um, you know, meet past investors that are teaching the class and um, people that have come from tech consulting background or actually um, built up products themselves or been previous startup founders. And so you meet quite an array of um, different individuals with different experiences. And I've had great conversations and built great relationships in in seeking out their advice as well um, for the startup and and for other things uh, generally. So I think, yeah, like in terms of opportunities, um, there's there's a quite a bit of a crossover actually with the startup world and technology and business within the information systems major. Um, I think one of my subjects, all you had to do was just create a tech startup idea, solving what <laughs> that you wanted. And I thought that was the best assignment ever. Um, and then even um, I think another one right now that I'm doing is um, being able to uh, you use a, a particular um, uh, software software technology and then write a report on you know monitoring the different usage and applications and so forth. But I think it's really interesting because if you're wanting to pursue a, a career in um, consulting or specifically tech consulting or venturing off into the startup worlds or if you know even if you're coming from a comps uh, computer science background and you want to kind of upskill in the business side this is a great way um to kind of just keep those interests going and, and it is an interesting subject I think you know there's all these different units from data governance to um you know the startup tech startup one um so there's a lot of areas that you can venture off into with it yeah awesome this next question is going to go back into something that you mentioned before a lot So as a concept, we or the general public tend to view technology more as code and programming. But with the tech companies and businesses you've been involved in, your focus is centred around providing opportunities to students and breaking through barriers of experience. Why choose this mission and why do it through tech? I think at the end of the day, you can create the most impact by bringing technology into Uh, that ability to solve meaningful problems. What I've seen, um, and I've done quite a few hackathons as well in the past that are impact-oriented, and one of my favourites I remember um, was one with domestic violence. And, you know, unfortunately, um, even if you create a fantastic uh, solution, right, there's only to a possible extent where it's scalable and it can reach a certain audience. And while not everything you do um, has to necessarily um, be based on how much impact can I create? Can I create the biggest impact, right? Um, Maybe it's more about quality impact. I think technology really has the ability um, to, to scale that out across a very wide spectrum. So if we're talking about being able to um, really help 
a lot of individuals, um, uh, you know, not just within Australia, but also overseas, um, that's where technology can help. And that's something that you cannot do um, without it. I don't think, I think it's a very hard and manual um, uh, process to get there and it's always capped. And I think that's what's so amazing about technology where things are really unlimited. It breaks down the barriers between different individuals, different markets. Nowadays, um, you know, we can, we can have uh, conversations and um, speak to uh, employers and students overseas in different countries, including third world countries as well. Um, and that's what technology does. And I think when you bring those two things together with the social impact side as well, that's when change can really happen. Um, and what's great is not just about the direct impact that you have, but also the ripple effects that, that, that occur. So what I mean by that is, um, you know, if you are to go overseas and, um, and, uh, you know, talk to different employers and talk to, in the case of logic and students, what happens is they then build this awareness of who you are and then opportunities arise, um, in that space because they end up telling other people and opening up doorways for you, introducing you to other individuals. And that all just stems from, um, being able to, being able to access, access all those different opportunities, access all these different networks in community groups um, and that's where the the scaled impact really does happen absolutely using that social impact too like you've mentioned and enlightened us with um, being able to use technology to make that really big social impact is something that's quite powerful as you've shown continuing on what advice would you give to a student who has an idea they're passionate about and is looking to make an impact but doesn't know where to begin I think the very first thing is just speak to people about it. Um, I think one of the things that I did in my early days um, was obviously I had no experience um, and no skills whatsoever. And so the next best thing you can do is to start building relationships um, through LinkedIn, whether that may be, and reaching out to people and just saying, look, hey, I've noticed you're an expert in this field or you're a previous startup founder that is that has done an amazing thing and I love what your startup is doing. You know, I'm trying to solve a similar problem in a similar space. This goes back to the whole speak to people who have been there and done that because they have really valuable insights and learnings and then reach out. And obviously being a student, you have such a big advantage because people love to love to help um, uh, young people. And I've noticed that I kind of use that as the whole, I think even in high school, I said, I would go to networking events saying, oh, I'm 16. <laughs> you know, I'm a, I'm a young, naive person. I would love to just hear your advice and listen to your thoughts. Um, and people are really receptive to that because it just shows that you're a young person that has initiative and that's that that is not a common thing so the way to stand out is absolutely just you know be willing to put your guts out there and uh take the next step and and it's so easy because all these individuals um are, are so accessible um one of the best ways to relationship build though is um instead of trying to ask 
for someone of something straight off the bat um, when you haven't even, you know, met them. Uh, sometimes that can be really difficult because you're asking them to do something when you haven't really given anything to them. And so I think a really great way to go about relationship building in general is to say, okay, like how can I help support this person with their startup? And you think you're a student, you don't have any advice um, to give them. Well, no worries. What's another way that you can support them? Like their posts on Twitter, on uh, LinkedIn, engage with it comment with it like interact with them and just by doing that even just liking their posts it it can make you it it can bring attention to who you are to them and then you can go about that process of going like hey I've been following you for a while I think all the the things that you've posted about and the articles you've written is incredible um would you mind like sitting for like a 20 minute coffee chat and I would love to just share my idea because I just don't know what the next step is and so from that point onwards, you'll learn about other people's experiences. Um, but I think, yeah, like the, the other more practical strategy that students can do if they're in that boat is to um, obviously do that market research. And what I would do is, um, and this is something that like everyone says in the startup world is try and build an MVP and try and just talk to customers. I mean, even before building an MVP, right, just talk to who you think your customers and users will be, have conversations with them. And my goodness, you will learn so much from them. And I think the big part of your conversation should also be about the problem discovery stage. And what that involves is instead of trying to think about what solution can I build, uh, think about what is the nuances of the problem I am trying to solve. And, and to give you an example, um, when, when our team did um, the whole whole prize competition, I mean, when we got given the problem of youth unemployment, you know, that's a very big widespread problem. It's not just you solve youth unemployment and there's one solution for it. It does not work like that. What you have to do is go, is break it down. Okay, what are some of the causes of youth unemployment? What specific area do we want to focus on? For us, we spoke about, we started talking about soft skills, right? Um, And that's how we got from one thing to another. Um, And then going out to customers and trying to validate those insights. I think also just being aware of the fact that, you know, you have your own personal biases and you think that your idea is great. So being open for, um, you know, it to be criticized a little, but also just taking on kind of the different insights that, that customers are giving you and saying, um, you know, yeah, I feel this problem at this particular stage in the recruitment process. Um, that stuff is where you'll end up pivoting your idea anyway. And your initial idea will generally not be your end idea. And I'm pretty sure 99% of all startups can say the, the idea they started with has has changed a fair bit. Um, and the same goes for us. So, and it just means that you're making progress. It means you're, you're talking to the right people and you're listening to them more. So I think you need to take a backseat and stop talking, um, even though I've been talking a lot on this podcast, and just listen to what they have to say and interpret how they say it as well. So obviously, if they're really enthusiastic with certain answers, um, or if, you know, they're going, oh, like, I hate this thing. It really annoys me. It really bugs me. You know, that's a problem. (laughs) You know that they're quite frustrated with it. So um, yeah, those are the two things that I would do. Just try and talk to people who are past founders in a similar space, in a similar industry. 
industry um, or speak to those potential customers that you would possibly be looking at solving for and try to do your best um, market research in just understanding the problem deeply. I think 70% of your time should be understanding the problem and then 30% should be actually creating a solution after that. Yeah, well, that pretty much brings today to a conclusion. Thank you so much, Elisa, for sharing your journey, just telling us about taking success in the small things, using that high-level understanding of our disciplines, or even tech to apply to other disciplines, and using tech as that interdisciplinary foundation that can take on social challenges. Even the small things you've told us, like networking and taking the most um, of what you can and taking initiative to get in contact with someone to build up your idea and just say that you don't know, has all been really meaningful. Thank you so much for that. It's been an absolute pleasure having you. Uh, Thanks, Jade, Georgie. Thanks so much for having me. And I'm excited to see what uh, everyone in WIT at UNSW uh, gets up to and being able to hopefully take something from this and maybe build their own startup. (laughs) Well, thank you everyone for listening and for tuning in to Talk With Us. Listen out for our next exciting episode.